Welcome to season two of Detroit Lions News Podcast, presented by Three Kings Sports and Cards and Collectibles. If you want to be a sponsor for the show, for the pages, for the multimedia company that we're building, uh, you could. We're going to leave the email below, and you can you can inquire within. So if you want to be a part of something special that we are building, you can do that as well. But welcome back to Detroit Lions News Podcast. Obviously, everyone last year, we had a great year. Um, nearly 50,000 downloads. So that was really special for us. And I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who listens and uh, views and subscribes to the content. It means the world. And me and Tyler, who Tyler isn't here today, we're gonna have some other guests that will come on the program. I'm your I'm your host, Joe Chap, and um, it's gonna be a special year for Detroit Lions football because I remember when I started Detroit Lions News in 2013. They they had some good teams, but they never had teams that really I fully bought in on. And I feel like this is the first time in a long time I've I've actually um, I've actually bought in like there's been times where you're like okay i think they can be good guys i think they can be good and then you get to it and you get to the season and you realize holy shit we are in big trouble here in with the detroit lions so it does it didn't matter what it was what it was i mean you know when they had that great defense and they went against dallas in that wild card game the secondary was an issue when they went against the New Orleans Saints, who were a juggernaut in 2011, their offense was great, but their defense absolutely sucked. They could not just—they the Lions could never just put it together. And I feel like this is a year that they are actually gonna put it together, and it's gonna be a fun year. So if you're new to the podcast, subscribe below, and we will keep you entertained throughout the whole entire year. So just stay tuned to us. We will make it worthwhile for you, and it's going to be a fun time for us Detroit Lions fans because we have a lot to get to in the program. We have training camp observations from Thursday, August 3rd. We all know that the the, uh, Hall of Fame game, if you're listening to this on Friday because this is going to be released on Friday, you know that that the Hall of Fame game is tonight, and Aaron Rodgers, who, who was once... The Green Bay Packer is now a New York Jet, and he will be playing in his first game with the uh, New York Jets against the Cleveland Browns tonight in the Hall of Fame game. So that will be fun. But uh, we're going to get to the rest of the program. We have a lot planned for this today's podcast. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. And next week is going to be a little bit more special because we actually get to talk about football, and we get to talk about a game that is coming up. So you can stay tuned to that. I'm Joe Chap, and we will see you in the next segment as we go forward with this podcast. Welcome back to the Detroit Lions News Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Chap, and today, obviously, you know, we are going to be talking about training camp. Training camp, August 3rd. So for you people that are seeing this on YouTube, you will get this first. Observations from training camp. This is part of the podcast. We're going to mix it in, but we have a lot of great stuff on the podcast. So if you're on a YouTube channel, we'll put the, in the link in the description below the podcast. You can listen to the podcast. And if you want to skip over this part and go listen to the podcast, you could do that. Or we will have the podcast on YouTube this year. And that's just for our, our YouTube fans who, who really show us a lot of love. 
So training camp observations today, and I'm going to read this from Detroit Lions New DetroitLions.com. I almost just said Detroit Lions News, but we don't publish articles. We publish media stuff. So this is from DetroitLions.com, and listen, we are starting to see players come out of the woodwork in terms of what they are are, are showing us and what they're doing. That um, that pass and that run after the catch that Sam Laporta showed in that one video that they had, that was pretty incredible. But we are going to read day 10 observations from Michael Hare and Tim Twentyman. They do a really good job, and they are going to outline it for us. So defensive surge. I thought the defensive line had the, their best day of camp Thursday during a scrimmage like practice in Allen Park, led by Aiden Hutchinson. Detroit's defensive line was disruptive all day, blowing up plays with sacks not actually hitting the quarterback and stuffing runs in the hole. There was one team period where Hutchinson beat Penai Sewell to the quarterback for two sacks in a three-play stretch. Let's stop right there. The fact that Aiden Hutchinson is beating Penai Sewell not once, not twice, in a three-play stretch shows you what this kid is capable of this kid's got this sky is a limit for this kid if you if you're an Aid Hutchinson fan if you watch him at Michigan I know there's some people that are Michigan State fans or they're Ohio State fans and they're Lions fans no 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 problem I, I'm I'm along with you but if you're a Michigan fan you know all about the Detroit Lions and you know all about Aiden Hutchinson and what he does on a daily basis and he only got better at Michigan that's what people don't get he got better at Michigan, and he every year he he really progressed at a high level. And then when he got to his his senior year, where he just exploded onto the scene, to some people, it was amazing to watch him play. And he really made a difference in that Ohio State game where he was just he, he could not be stopped. And if this is the Aiden Hutchinson you're going to get this year, oh buddy. But Tim Twentyman goes on, he says, I thought defensive lineman Ali McNeil also stood out Thursday. The quickness he's added to his game is noticeable. I also noticed Josh Pascal and Charles Harris having sacks on a day. This is a very good sign. Don't get it twisted. Don't say the Detroit Lions offense is reverting back to, you know, maybe they're not going to be as good as they were last year. I don't believe that to be the case. I believe that this defense is getting better. His defense is getting better because they're getting healthier. You know, last year you didn't have Pascal. You didn't have Harris. You didn't have Okwara. You know, and we didn't know who James Houston was. Now we know who all those guys are. And then Ali McNeil says, screw it. I'm going to lose some pounds, and I'm going to lose some weight, and I'm going to become a beast in the middle. If you're a Detroit Lions fan, this is probably the best thing that could, you could hear from training camp. And I know a lot of people don't take uh, stuff out of training camp, and rightfully so, because if you're taking stuff out of training camp, sometimes you could be persuaded because maybe your team is bad or not. But we're really going to get to see this Lions team and the depth that they have in the preseason, and then we're going to hear more about the scrimmages that they have next week that could be really, really beneficial, especially with the Detroit Lions. We could get to know more about this team, and that would be really fun to watch. Now, I thought that, you know, reading that and then reading how good the defense did today with the Detroit Lions was very paramount in showing what the Detroit Lions are all about. And 
I know a lot of people are not going to look at it the same way as me. But when you look at this team, when you look at this team and you say, man, they could be really good, we're not even kidding. Like, they could be really good, and that would be fun to watch. Hopefully, hopefully, um, they can be a very, very good spot in the team. So, look, no one is going to say anything if this defense is just not as good as it was or as good as we hoped. But I think a lot of people expecting the same defense last year, they're going to be very, very um, upset because this this defense looks like they could be better. And obviously, you rely on Aiden Titushin. You rely on Charles Harris. You rely on J- James Houston to get better. You know, progression from the rookies of last year with Hutch, Pascal, and uh, Houston, you expect them to get better. So if they get better, that could be very, very beneficial for the Detroit Lions in 2023. Exclamation point. This is from Tim Twentyman as well. He says, I thought the defense was a little better than the offense on Thursday, which is a great sign for the football team being better overall in 2023. But wide receiver Amara St. Brown finds a way to make a big play just about every day. And Thursday was no exception. He finished off a team period with a touchdown on a contested catch with cornerback Chase Lucas draped all over him. Lucas just put his hands on his head in disbelief that her seeing St. Brown caught the football. St. Brown celebrated the score by punting the, in the, the ball toward the crowd in the stands who loved the play and the celebration. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see that the sun is coming in, and I'll fix that um, throughout the podcast. So, but look, <laughs> if we're going to get this Amara St. Brown, who is going to be electric, who, you know, we know Amara St. Brown, he is a very good player. He finds ways to get open. He finds opportunities to, to present himself. He gets open. He's one of those guys where even if you think he's covered, he's so smart and so instinctive that he finds a way. And it's kind of like a Keenan Allen. You know, Keenan Allen is not Keenan Allen is not one of those guys that you look at and you go, what a specimen. You know, he's not he's not Kelvin Johnson. He is not uh you know Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins. But those smarter guys, sometimes they could be very beneficial for the Detroit Lions, especially when we talk about the Detroit Lions and their offense. And missing and missing Jamison Williams for the first six games, you have St. Brown. You're not going to really lose anything. So it's going to be very impressive to see if St. Brown can continue this going into the season, which I assume that he will. You know, St. Brown has showed year after year after year you know, that first rookie year, he came out of nowhere. Last year, he was a big part of the offense, and he was a critical piece for this Detroit Lions team. And I'm interested to see what happens when he gets a tight end like Sam Laporta. He gets a running back like Jameer Gibbs coming out of the backfield, and he gets Jameson Williams when he comes back from his suspension. This could be the unlocking of what we think Amon Ross St. Brown could potentially be. Only issue you should have is that if he has a great year, you're going to have to pay him, and that will be interesting by itself because, honestly, uh, there there's no way of knowing exactly what he would get in the open market, and we don't know what his contract would be because he's he's so useful in every, every phase of the offense. So if you're a Detroit Lions fan, you'll take the good with the bad, especially if 
um, if uh, Amara St. Brown has a great uh, year this year. Um, injuries, the Lions got good news on Thursday. Wide receiver Trinity Benson's injury wasn't as severe as it looked to be Wednesday when he was carted off the field. The team will be hoping for similar good news which, uh, from after, uh, good news Thursday after cornerback Jaron Williams went down with a lower body injury and was also carted off the field. So this is a tough part about uh, training camp. You have injuries. Luckily, you avoided disaster with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Looks like you avoided disaster with Trinity Benson, too. But when we get to this time of the year, a lot of people, they kind of get, uh, how you say it? There's times where injuries just happen out of nowhere, and you really get screwed out of your your team's your team's uh, successful being successful or not. You know, if it's a big time player, that's gonna suck. If it's a just a, a guy who's a depth guy, it's gonna hurt your depth, obviously. But you can overcome that. I know, no offense to Jaron Williams or Trinity Benson, but those are injuries that you could probably overcome. To be honest. Um, but if you lost a guy like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, if you lost a guy like um, Amon-Ra or any of the, those guys, that's a huge loss. That's a huge loss. So you got to take the go to the bed because obviously injuries are going to happen during training camp. You know, the non-contact injuries always happen during training camp. And you always hear of players tearing an ACL or players tearing and uh, popping an Achilles. You always hear it. And you just hope that it's never your team because if it's your team and it's one of your big time players, oh my God, it's like, that's like, that's like a, it's a nightmare. You know, I remember when Chauncey Gardner Johnson had the injury scare uh, earlier in training camp. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is something that just, it makes you sick to your stomach to hear it. So, the good news is that Trinity Benson is going to be okay. They're hoping for better new, good news with Jaron Williams too. They got good news with uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. So the Lions have escaped injuries to this point. There's obviously going to be injuries, but you just don't want them to be too critical pieces. But the good thing about Brad Holmes and the way that he's built this offense and this whole team is there's depth everywhere. There's depth everywhere. I really, this is one of the, this is why I said in the beginning of the podcast, this is why I bought into the Detroit Lions and what they're doing. Because when you have depth, you're going to go through injuries throughout the NFL. It just doesn't even matter. Like you could go, you're going to go and have injuries throughout the NFL season. Your guard's going to get hurt. Center is going to get hurt. Someone's going to get hurt. And you're going to have to have a guy step in and you're going to have to be fine. You're going to have to roll with the punches because that's the way the NFL is. It's pretty much, I always tell people, and I've always told people, you know, I do a Red Wings podcast too, Red Alert podcast. You can find that on Apple or Spotify. In hockey, football, basketball, sometimes baseball. The teams that win the, the championships, they are the teams that have got away with injuries more than the other team. They've It's been a survival of the fittest. So if you're a Detroit Lions fan, just understand there's going to be injuries at some time, but the Detroit Lions have never been 
Um, they have never been in a position where they've had depth like they do now. So that would be good for the Detroit Lions to know. Um, on the rise, this is this is uh, Mike O'Hara, which he has a really good he has a really good uh, input on the Detroit Lions. He said McNeil lost about twenty pounds in the offseason. As a result, he's quicker and even stronger. Apparently, he can jump higher too. On a pass in the right flat, McNeil elevated and knocked the ball down. Now, this has been something that we've seen throughout training camp, and I'm starting to love this because I always tell people, why don't these defensive linemen get their damn hands up and get in the passing lanes? Because there are quarterbacks that are the quarterbacks that are coming in the NFL are smaller and smaller and smaller. I mean, look at Bryce Young, the number one overall pick. For God's sakes, the kid can't even like go on a roller coaster ride. Like, what are we doing? Get your hands up. You know, the guys like Anthony Richardson and the guys, you know, the you know, Tom Brady's and all, all that stuff, they're going away. They're going away. With the spread offenses in college football, they're going to smaller quarterbacks. They are going to smaller guys in the pocket. And that should give every if you're if you're a defensive coach in college football. You should be telling your players, get your damn hands up and deflect the damn ball because look it. I remember, and it's a good thing that we know where this is coming from because Aaron Glenn was on the New Orleans team and there was a year that they led the whole league and deflected passes at the line of scrimmage. Cameron Jordan was a big part of it. But that whole defensive line, that was their main objective was to get their hands in the air and deflect passes. And I think when they the Detroit Lions played the New Orleans Saints that year, I think Stafford had like six or seven that were deflected. So that is a good thing to have happen. And if you're a coach at any level, peewee, high school, middle school, whatever. I don't know if middle school plays football because in the state of Michigan, uh, we just have like these little leagues and there's not much middle school, high school, middle school football. But if you're a coach at any level, tell your defensive lineman, get your hands up in the passing lanes. You make it harder on the quarterback. The quarterback's going to have to get a go around you. And at some point, he's going to make a mistake, and it could end up in a deflection. It could go up to your linebackers. It could get deflected in the air, and one of your safeties or corners can come up with it. It's a very critical part of the game that people kind of overlook, and I don't understand why. But it's good to see that Detroit Lions are actually putting their hands up in the passing lanes because when you go against Bryce Young, when you go against some of these guys, you can do that and put your hands up in the air, and it'll be good. Uh, ball production on defense. Quarterback Jared Goff doesn't throw many interceptions practice, so it's worth highlighting a p- player when they get one. Goff tried to fit a ball down the seam to tight end Sam Laporta in the team drill. Laporta tried to go up to an over linebacker Derek Barnes, but Barnes was able to deflect the ball straight up in, in, into the air and right into the arms of defensive back Savion Smith. So... Um, Derek Barnes has been really show, showcasing his talent, and the, he's been showcasing how good he can be. And if you're a Detroit Lions fan, you have to be excited about what Derek Barnes has been able to do. And if he can do what he's doing in practice in the passing game, that could be very, very beneficial for the Detroit Lions uh, moving forward. And, yes, Jared Goff doesn't turn the ball over in practice, but today the Detroit Lions defense 
forced those turnovers, and that's good to see. And hopefully it's not a sign of Jared Goff doing the same thing in game. So we go down. Um, the play of the day, this belongs to running back Justin Jackson for a long touchdown catch down the left sideline. He got a step on rookie linebacker Jack Campbell coming out of the backfield into the flat and was able to stay on his feet as Campbell tried to dive and clip at his feet. Then Jackson put a great move on defensive back C.J. Gardner-Johnson, faking a cut inside at about the 10-yard line that allowed him to go untouched in the end zone. Jackson is definitely in the running to be Detroit's number three running back. As per Tim Twentyman. Um, I have no problem with J- Justin Jackson being a third running back. He is he showed that he is useful. If you watched him in San Diego or LA or whatever the hell they were in that those two years where they were going from San Diego to LA. Um you've seen that Justin Jackson does have talent. You've seen that Justin Jackson can make plays with his feet, and you've seen that Justin Jackson does have some skill to him. So I'm not gonna take anything about this. I'm not gonna say like, oh, Jack Campbell missed a, missed a um Missed a tackle, you know, because Chauncey Gardner-Johnson did too. So obviously it was a good play and a good fake, and it was good athleticism by Justin Jackson. And I would easily pencil him into the number three spot on the Detroit Lions uh, running back depth chart. Uh, comparisons, Jerry Jacobs, who made the Lions roster as undrafted free agent in 2021, sees similarities between himself and rookie cornerback Starling Thomas. Thomas is a free agent trying to earn a spot, roster spot at cornerback. He reminds me of me, Jacob said, referring to Thomas's play style. You can never have enough Jerry Jacobs. I don't think this go. I think this goes overlooked sometimes. If you have a guy like Jerry Jacobs on your team, or you have two Jerry Jakes on your team, or three or four, you're going to be better for it because they are going to show the aggressiveness. They're going to show that they can be good against against every obstacle. And when you're an undrafted free agent, you come in with a very, very big chip on your shoulder. We've seen that with Jerry Jacobs. We're starting to see that with Starling Thomas. We've seen that with A.J. Parker. Brad Holmes has a knack for finding these guys who can help the team and build this team up. And when you, if you get those guys that have a chip on their shoulder, it's basically two players because they are playing for themselves. And they're playing for their other self, which they refer to. You know, if you listen to St. Brown, he goes through it. Like, look, look at all the wide receivers that are drafted ahead of me. And that's something that, you know, you really can't put a price on. And, and Dan Campbell, I'm sure, loves it. I'm sure Brett Holmes, this is what he goes after. Because you can't have enough guys who who are just bulldogs. You can't. And Starling Thomas has had a really good uh, training camp, and he's going to be a really good player for the Detroit Lions. I think he will make the roster, so that's going to be interesting. Uh, returning punts, we are just a week away from the first preseason contest of the year, as I just said, uh, which will be the first opportunity to see some live kickoff and punt returns. Cleve Raymond is Detroit's main punt returner, but St. Brown, Maurice Alexander, Jameer Gibbs, and James Williams were also getting reps on Thursday. I think it's Raymond's job to lose. Um, we all know that Maurice Alexander was great last year. And no, I do not want to see St. Brown. I do not want to see Gibbs. And I do not want to see Jameson Williams taking punts back because that's more of a risk of injury. And I just don't think that's a good that's, that's a good idea. Um, This is the last point of this article, situational football. The offense that was given the ball on the defensive 37-yard line with 29 seconds left on the clock with two timeouts in the pocket. Late in practice, trailing 28-20, the first-team offense quickly moved down the 
down to the six-yard line in just 13 seconds with two completions of St. Brown. Again, St. Brown coming out of nowhere, playing his ass off. He's, 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 he's incredible. Running back David Montgomery punched it in from, the, uh, from there with a run up the middle. The offense failed to convert a halfback pass for the two-point conversion. The second team offense needed just two plays to score. A strike from quarterback Nate Sudfeld to wide receiver Denzel Mims down the down to the four-yard line set up a tight end Brock yard Brock Wright four-yard touchdown on the next play. You love to see it. You love to see it. Denzel Mims getting a pass from Nate Sudfeld. You know, I know a lot of people don't like Nate Sudfeld. Um, and um, there's a lot of people who want Teddy Bridgewater. I don't disagree with you. Um, I think that Teddy Bridgewater could be good for the Detroit Lions. Um, but ultimately, like if Nate Sudfeld shows out, I mean, he could be the backup quarterback for sure. I think a lot of people look at, you know, is Teddy Bridgewater going to come or not? If I'm Teddy Bridgewater, I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And it doesn't matter to the Detroit Lions because last year at this time, we had David Blau and Tim Boyle as our backup quarterbacks, and they both got cut, and that's when they signed Nate Sudfeld. So interesting times. Training camp is always interesting. We're going to get down to the nitty-gritty next week when the Giants come to town and they have those those, uh, split practices. That will be fun to watch. And if you're going down there, that's going to be a lot of fun. And I hope you have a lot of fun because the Detroit Lions are they're It's going to be fun to watch them hit someone that is not their team. Now, we have more planned on the program. I have four underrated players that people should be watching in 2023. We are also going to get to. Um, we are also going to get to um, rookies who could really surprise people in 2023. Um, and it's not going to be like your run-of-the-mill, you know, Jack Campbell and, and Jameer Gibbs. It's going to be a little more broke down from that. And then we're going to have, you know, our final thoughts, as we always do, on the Detroit Lions News podcast. So stay tuned to that. And if you're on YouTube and you're watching this, because I will post this before I post the podcast, make sure to subscribe here to the YouTube channel. We are going to post the podcast on YouTube, but we are also going to post the podcast in the link in the description below, you can listen to it on Apple, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcast. Detroit Lions News Podcast will be with you. So we will see you in the next segment as we talk about the Detroit Lions and four players who I think could be potentially a breakout for the Detroit Lions in 2023. Welcome back to the Detroit Lions News Podcast. Obviously, I told you in the last segment that I was going to break down the four players who I think could have breakout years. And there are there are two people on this list who uh, have played at a high level, but I think that they are destined to be better in 2023. I'll give my reasons why. Um, so, look, I'm going to start with four, and I'm going to work my way up to number one. And we're going to kind of go through it and see which – I want to get your comments. So if you're on YouTube, give me your four players who will be the biggest breakout players for the Detroit Lions in 2023. And if you're on the podcast, you can go to Detroit Lions News Facebook page. You can go to One Pride Nation, join the group. We're going to have a lot of fun this year with the Detroit One Pride Nation. 
and give me your four breakout players because I'm interested to know everyone's four breakout players because I feel like everyone could have a different opinion on the four breakout players that they're going to have. So if you're looking on YouTube, I did get the sun on my face. So if you're you're looking at YouTube, we're all good. I don't have to wear sunglasses. We are fine and dandy. I'm going to start at number four. And I'm going to start with a guy who I think a lot of people had high expectations for. I think a lot of people expected him to be good year one. But I think he is being he's going to be good at the, at the right time. I think this is the right time to be good because it is Derek Barnes, the linebacker from Purdue, who has been here two years, is going into his third year. You know, obviously we thought with Derek Barnes that he would get better, you know, quicker. And and a lot of times a lot of times people kind of they misconstrued what happens with these players because when you talk about Derek Barnes, he did not he did not go at the same level as everyone else. He did not progress at the same level as everyone else. You know, you're hoping that he would go quicker. He would become better and, and become better quicker. It's not always the case. And, and, you know, sometimes it's just, it's not nothing of anybody's ilk. You Sometimes you just get to it and you're like, damn, like, I wish he would get better quicker. But I feel like he's getting better at, this, at the right time. Um, and I feel like with the talent around him that's gotten better, I feel like with Anzalone as a veteran leader in that locker linebacker room, that's helped him out a lot too. But you just hear from training camp. You hear him be playing at a different level, making plays, more smart. Dan Campbell talked about him being more smart and more uh, aware of the defense. That's something that you really can't put a price tag on. And sometimes it will take a player a little more time than others to get ready and to get going. So Derek Barnes is number four. Number three is Jerry Jacobs. You know, I think with Emmanuel Mosley out, I think we're going to see him not play the first couple weeks. But I think that Jerry Jacobs, with the talent around him getting better, because the talent around him at the cornerback position has gotten a lot better, I think it could help Jerry Jacobs become a better player. I think that Jerry Jacobs has the ability to be a lockdown guy who is not your main corner. He's not going to be the corner that you asked to guard Justin Jefferson, but maybe to guard Jordan Addison, maybe to guard this guy. And then Chauncey Gardner Johnson goes into the slot. There's no problem with having a lockdown guy opposite of Cameron Sutton, because we all know that football is a game of kind of game planning schematics trying to figure out the best matches. And if you are a quarterback or you're an offensive coordinator and you are going against the Detroit Lions, you are going to look at the Detroit Lions and you are going to be like, who do I go with? Who do I go against? Who am I going to go against? Am I going to go with, uh, am I going to go with uh, this guy who Jerry Jacobs is on? Am I going to go with this guy who Cameron Sutton's on? Am I going to go to the slot where Chauncey Gardner Johnson or Brian Branches? You know, it opens up a world of miscommunication that could happen in a game. And that big play could be a a miscommunicated play. And the next thing you know, it's a turnover because someone ran the wrong route or or the quarterback timed a a pass at the wrong time and he threw it at the wrong angle and threw threw it a little bit short. And it's going for six. This is the things that can happen. So... 
when I mentioned Jerry Jacobs, it's because the talent level on the defense has gotten better. You know, the talent level on the defense has gotten better to the point where you can put Jerry Jacobs in the game and you're not asking him to be your number one corner. You're asking him to just go in there and defend his guy. And Cameron Sutton's obviously going to mirror, you know, some of the top wide receivers we play. You know, Chauncey Garner Johnson's going to be in that slot. He's going to play in that box role. So I think that Jerry Jacobs not being asked to be every everything, you know, to be a top flight corner is is good for him and i think that he, we're gonna start to see a better jerry jacobs because he's not going against all the guys the top guys all the time you know jerry jacobs i think what when the problem with jerry jacobs jacobs a lot is when he gets in situations where he is not uh fast enough where he's not tall enough where he's not his size doesn't match up Sometimes he gets a little handsy, and that's okay because a lot of cornerbacks in the NFL, they get handsy, especially when they are the mismatch kind of guy. You know, you see it all over the NFL, and it happens all the time. And look, it's just it's going to happen. So that's why I have Jerry Jacobs three. And those were the two guys that I had on there that had played for a couple years. They're three-year players. They're both great players, and I think that they're going to really excel so much in 2023 number two is going to be a guy that i think a lot of people just they they so look i know people are upset about jameson williams six game suspension okay i know they are upset that he didn't play at all last year well a little bit but not enough and dan campbell talks all the time how he needs reps and he's going to get a lot of reps in the preseason and that will be great for jameson williams but number two on my list is jameson williams i think that when you put jameson williams out there and i think when you put him out there with laporta with gibbs with saint brown you are asking defenses to put themselves in a bad position because at some point they're going to have to leave someone one-on-one and do I think that Sam Laporta can make a linebacker look silly? Absolutely. Do I think that if a Jameer Gibbs is coming out of the backfield that he can make a linebacker or a safety look stupid? Absolutely one-on-one. We know St. Brown can make a make a, 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 a cornerback look stupid on, on a one-on-one. It opens up so many possibilities. And then you're not even adding in who is going to be your slot guy. If it's Marvin Jones. If it's Khalif Raymond, if it's Josh Reynolds, you know, this team is so stacked in terms of the talent that they have, that they can really put anybody in that position and and they're going to be good. Um, But Jamison Williams, I think, is going to be a really key player for this Detroit Lions team Um, because he does have the speed. He does have the talent. He is everything that you want in a wide receiver. Now, I if you were going to be honest, if I could somehow plant a seed of Amara St. Brown in the guy, I totally would. Because, you know, St. Brown, he's a he's just – St. Brown's a different dude. So if I can somehow plant that in that in Jameson Williams, oh, my God, you're talking about an all-time great. Because we know Jameson Williams has the speed. We know he has the talent. We know he has the size. We know he has the skill. We've seen it at Alabama. He's going to be really fun to watch. Eh. And I believe that when you get Jamison Williams back, you are going to love what you're going to see. 
love what you're going to see. This guy is absolutely going to make people look silly, and I'm glad the Detroit Lions got him. Let me just say that. I'm glad the Detroit Lions got Jamison Williams because I think that Jamison Williams is just, he's a, he's a legit, he's going to be a star. If he keeps his head on straight, which we, we assume he will because he's only had one off the field issue and it was a, a issue that really wasn't well communicated with the NFL in terms of their gambling policy. But I think Jamison Williams is going to do fine. And I think that the six game suspension is only going to give him more and more, um, you know, ammunition to come out blazing in the game seven. So Jameson Williams is my, my guy who I think is going to break out. He's my number two person on the list because I think that when he, when you hit game seven and he comes back into the fold, I think that he, the connection with him and Jared Goff, it's going to hit an all time high. And I think what you're going to see from Jamison Williams is going to be felt throughout that offense, because I think that St. Brown is going to get some more, more uh, uh, looks because they're going to have to, people are going to have to game plan around Jamison Williams speed. And that's going to leave a guy like Sam Laporta open, a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown open. And if you're an Amon Ross St. Brown fan, oh my God, like this could be really good for you because St. Brown is going to get a lot of open looks if Jameson Williams comes back and balls out, which I think he will, and that's why he's number two on my list. Number one, this is a guy who ended Aaron Rodgers' career as a Green Bay Packer. This is a guy who has shown the playmaking ability to be a superstar at the safety position. And I think he has more to give. I don't even think we have saw the pinnacle of what Kirby Joseph can become. Under no circumstances when we drafted him last year did I think that he would burst on the scene in the middle of the year and become a, a, a key part of this defense for the future. There's no way. And when I watched him at Illinois, you watched him and you went, man, that guy has some, he has some playmaking ability. He has that ball ability. But he just, there's some things that are missing that you just, you're like, man, if he could just get this thing straight, it would be great for him. I'm here to tell you, I think Kirby Joseph is going to be a superstar. I, I think Kirby Joseph could be a superstar in this league. You know, Brad Holmes has done an impeccable job drafting. You look at his drafts, like, where do you see a guy who's a total bust? And while people are going to say Levi Anzarica, he's going to have a very good shot to prove his point um, coming up in the um, preseason, show that he is a different player. Because I do think Levi Anzarica could be a player who could be useful for the Detroit Lions defense. I do. But Kirby Joseph is a guy who has shown the impensibility and the knack for finding the football. I can't wait to see what him and Chauncey Garner-Johnson do. You talk about two ball hawks. You're going to have two ball hawks on that defense. You're going to have two ball hawks that love to make plays in, in, in the defensive playmaking ability, and they have the ability to make the plays. Then you add in a guy like Tracy Walker. Look. I think it's going to benefit 
Kirby Joseph, that he has Chauncey Garner Johnson. I think it's going to benefit Kirby Joseph that Tracy Walker is back because Tracy Walker offers a different element to the defense. You know, Kirby Joseph is not going to be asked to be Tracy Walker. He's going to be asked to be Kirby Joseph. And I think that that could totally unlock Kirby Joseph. I think when you get Tracy Walker back, when you add in Chauncey Garner Johnson, you add in Cameron Sutton, you're going to ask Kirby Joseph to be Kirby Joseph. Don't be anybody else. Be Kirby Joseph. You know, last year you were asking a little bit much of Kirby Joseph. Maybe you were asking him to be too too into the run game. Maybe you were asking him to be the the safety and 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 kind of play back, but you weren't asking him to go get the ball because you didn't want to, you didn't want to touch it on happen. I assume that was the case. So when you add in Kirby Joseph with Tracy Walker coming back with Chauncey Gardner Johnson getting signed with Cameron Sutton. I think you're going to see Kirby Joseph get totally unlocked and become a just a playmaking safety that you're going to be like, at the end of the year, I think people are going to be saying, Kirby Joseph is a top 10 safety in this league. And I think you're going to see two top 10 safeties on this team between Chauncey Garner Johnson and, and Kirby Joseph. I, I don't think Kirby Joseph has reached his ceiling. I don't. And if you want to come at me and say that I'm wrong, Go ahead. I don't care. I really don't. I think Kirby Joseph hasn't even reached his ceiling. I think when you add in the players that they have, with Tracy Walker coming back, like I just said, with Chauncey Garner Johnson, with Cameron Sutton, with Jerry Jacobs, you add in the element of your pass rush getting home, I think it will give Kirby Joseph just the utmost ability to go make plays in the passing game on the defensive side of the ball. We saw that with Aaron Rodgers last year in the last play of the game. He made some gr- critical plays that made him made him the guy that I think is going to break out the most. And then when you signed Chauncey Garner-Johnson and Cameron Sutton, I looked at Kirby Joseph and I was like, man, Kirby Joseph, he is going to be a legit player. He is going to make this thing happen. And I think that if you're a, you're a Lions fan and you just – you've been – for a guy who can go get the ball and be that playmaking safety. I'm pretty sure uh, Brad Holmes got that safety in Kirby Joseph. So, look, there's a lot of things that the Detroit Lions are are, going to be privy to. So my top four were Derek Barnes, Jerry Jacobs, and Jameson Williams, and Kirby Joseph. I think those are the four players that could potentially break out for this Detroit Lions team. And I think if you are a Detroit Lions fan, you should be so excited about this year because I think the Detroit Lions have the team to beat in the NFC because there's certain things that we're going to see through the preseason that's going to really show me that not what I'm saying is true, but the defense is going to be better. Like, let's put it that way. Number one, defense is going to be better. And when I get to my rookie portion of the, of the, uh, of the, uh, podcast we're gonna see why but defense is going to be better the offense is going to be better it might be just around the same but that's okay because they were top five offense and i firmly believe when you have a top 15 defense and you have a top five offense you are you are a championship contending team period full stop end of story that's how it works. So in the next situ- next uh, segment, we are going to be talking about the top rookies, not in the first round, 
and I'm going to give you my top four. Um, I'm, they're not ranked right now, but I will rank them out. And then we will have the conversation in that segment. So follow us along into the next segment and we will I'll give you the information that I have. And if you're watching on YouTube, you're seeing this piece of paper get floated around and you're like, what's on the other side? Well, that is strikeout parlays that I've, I've tried to do. I just can't do. So we will see you <laughs> in the next segment of the podcast where I break down the top four rookies that I'm looking forward to seeing. Going back to the Detroit Lions News Podcast, I am your host, Joe Chap. We are in the probably the later half of the podcast. So if you are on YouTube, you are seeing how many t- minutes we have left. But we're going to go through the top rookies that were not in the first round and who will make an impact in year one. So they have to make an impact in year one. So at number four, this is going to be one that is going to be a little bit, uh, it's going to be bold. Starling Thomas. I think what you're seeing with Starling Thomas in the training camp, what you're seeing, all the beat writers say about him being a guy who can potentially uh, break the roster, I believe it. And we're going to get a better chance to look at him in the preseason games, but let me tell you something. When I watched UAB, which I know a lot of you didn't because who the fuck is going to watch UAB? No one except me. Um, but when you watch UAB, Starling Thomas was a guy who just showed up and he, he was a great player. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he would be on this, on this defense. If you put him in minuscule roles and let him get him, let him grow some confidence, I think that he could be a really good player. Um, you know, obviously we don't know the injury status of, um, Emmanuel Mosley just yet. I think that Emmanuel Mosley might start out on the pup list. But, you know, I think Starling Thomas could be a guy that you look at at the end of the season and go, man, that guy made a lot of critical plays for the Detroit Lions this year. And I just think that Starling Thomas is a guy that really could be making an impact on this Detroit Lions team. I think when you have corners, you know, I think the cornerback position is just, it's showing out. And I think if you're, uh, if you're a guy that looks at corners, you need a lot of them. You just you can't just rely on one or two. I mean, it would be nice to have that Sauce Gardner, Tariq Woolen type, but those guys don't grow on trees. Those guys don't grow anywhere. So you have to find talent, and you have to find depth in the cornerback position because if you look at some of the years the Detroit Lions had, you know, 2011 was one of those years where, you know, I don't feel like they had the cornerback depth to just – you know, go on. Uh, even 20, uh, was it 2014, 2015, the year they, they played Dallas in the wild card? I mean, that was when you were starting Cassius Vaughn at the slot corner position. And the reason that the Detroit Lions gave up that lead to Dallas wasn't because of the, the, the picked up flag. It was because Cassius Vaughn could not cover Terrence Williams. And when you get to that part point in the season, you're going to have some real talent coming against you, and you cannot have a lapse in talent. You cannot have a lapse in talent. That will cost you every single time. My third guy is going to be Broderick Martin. I think Broderick Martin could be a really legitimate player for this Detroit Lions team. I think he's going to be good on the defensive line. 
I think he's going to be good on um, in the run game. I think he's going to make an impact on the defensive uh, running running uh, defense. And I think what you're going to see from Broderick Martin is this. I think he's going to open up, uh, especially when he gets more playing time. I think he's going to open up, you know, lanes for Jack Campbell and Alex Anzalone and Malcolm Rodriguez and Derek Barnes. All those linebackers, they're going to have more room to run because this guy is so big and so freaky fast and just so much strength that he's going to take on some double teams and it's going to allow a guy like Aiden Hutchinson to get loose. It's going to allow some of these teams to have to figure out who they are not going to double team and they're going to have to they're going to have to go one on one with someone and it could be Aiden Hutchinson, it could be James Houston. And at that time you're talking about a Detroit Lions team that is, is, is going to make some critical plays uh, as we talk about. Uh, and so Roger Martin is number two, number three because I think that Broderick Martin is probably going to be the steal of the draft for the Detroit Lions. I think that he is going to be kind of like a Snacks Harrison kind of uh, input. He's going to be a guy that's going to give you a lot of snaps. He's going to be a guy that's going to give you a lot of talent. And he's going to be a guy that gives you a lot of chances to, to make plays. And I think Broderick Martin is my number three one because I think he is going to be a great player for this Detroit Lions defense, especially in certain situations. And like I said, I look at Broderick Martin as a Snacks Harrison type, a guy who is going to be great against the run. He's not going to be your pass rusher, and he doesn't need to because you've got a lot of those hybrid pass rushers to fit next to Lee McNeil. So this could be a very good thing for the Detroit Lions, having a guy like uh, Broderick Martin who can defend the run and who can make plays in the run game on the defensive side of the ball. Number two is Brian Branch. I didn't think we would get Brian Branch at that position. I'm going to be totally honest with you. Um, that was kind of a lucky thing that I, I, I still don't know how they got Brian Branch. I mean, you talk about a guy who's a captain of a Nick Saban defense. Unheard of. Unheard of. You talk about a guy who makes plays in the pass game, the run game, screen game, all over the place. But then you add in the fact that Brian Branch is going to have a guy in Chauncey Gunner Johnson, who he can learn from, that can't be understated. Because eventually, some at some point, you're going to put Brian Branch in some of these games. And I think that him learning from Chauncey Gunner Johnson and practice, being around safeties like Kirby Joseph and Tracy Walker, that could be very, very good for uh, uh, Brian Branch. I think Brian Branch is going to be the benefit of having great guys in his locker room, in his safety room, that are going to give him the the experience. They're going to give him the knowledge that he needs to know for the NFL game. But him coming from Alabama, being a team captain, being a leader of the Alabama football team, that can't be understated. He is going to be a great player for the Detroit Lions, and I think that he is going to make a critical impact in year two. I mean, in year one. Number one is probably the biggest one that I think is going to make an impact. It can't be understated. People probably people went off people went off the rails when they went in and got a tight end. You're stupid because you do need tight ends. And if you get a guy who can be a potential game breaker, who who could be a, a, a matchup nightmare, that could be huge. But I know a lot of people didn't watch Iowa football last year, and they didn't have to. You watch Iowa football, you go, holy shit. This offense sucks, which they did. 
The offense did suck. The offense did suck. But they, the, the whole offense revolved around Sam Laporta. You know, and for Sam Laporta to have put the stats he put up last year was just unreal. Now, people are going to look at his touchdown, his touchdown numbers. Let me just say this. I'll save you the aggravation. You were not scoring touchdowns with the Iowa football team, okay? They had the worst quarterback in the country. Their offense was getting outscored by their defense. It was just a brutal offense to watch. Like, they, they barely scored, and Sam Laporta was their only option. And the year before, they had Charlie Jones, who went in the NFL draft just this past year. He ended up going to Purdue and showing out with a real offense because that's exactly what Iowa does. Iowa, they, they crank out these tight ends. They don't give them gaudy numbers, but they just give them – they give them – they're guys that can produce. You know, we've seen it with T.J. Hawkinson. The one reason T.J. Hawkinson was kind of overrated was because I don't feel like when T.J. Hawkinson was at Iowa – I felt like he had one of their better quarterbacks during that time. So, look, Iowa tight ends are very, very um, unique. They could be, they could be Greg, uh, they could be Kittle, they could be Hawkinson, they could be someone else. But I think you are truly getting. And I put a video uh, up on YouTube. Uh, so if you're new. You're on the podcast version of this uh, Detroit Lions this podcast. You can go to the YouTube channel between the whistles Detroit. We'll put it in the link in the description below on the podcast, and you can check that video out. I talked to an NFC scout who said that uh, you know George Kittle is going to be a, a clone of George of George Kittle. Uh, Sam Laporta will be. So that's the th- four guys that I look at, and I with Sam Laporta. I think with the offense that they have, I think with the way that Jared Goff plays the game, I think Sam Laporta could have a huge year one. You know, I think a lot of people think of tight ends and they go, they don't make much impact in year one. You know, tight ends in the as an NFL rookie, they're kind of, you know, they're trying to learn the game, trying to get in these, um, you know, they're trying to find, you know, spots in the zone. Sam Laporta basically worked by himself last year at the, with the Iowa offense. So he's going to come in here and see St. Brown and see Jameer Gibbs or Dave Montgomery. And he's going to say, man, this is like way easier than I, than it was in college. And that's something that you have to put in perspective because if you watch Sam Laporta at Iowa, one thing that Sam Laporta did uh, that was, you know, that a lot of these tight ends that came into uh, the NFL draft that didn't have to do is he had to find spots by himself and hope that his quarterback hit him. And a lot of times his quarterback did not hit him. Um, Spencer Petrus was one of the worst quarterbacks in the in, in college football. Uh, so Jared Goff excels with these short passes and a guy like Sam Laporta who can take the ball and run with it. He's a good guy after run after the catch. So that's going to be fun to watch, but just seeing what Sam Laporta is able to do with a bad quarterback with a bad offense, with him being the only spotlight on the offense, I think that he's going to be your number one player who is going to make the most impact in year one. And, um, yeah, like Sam Laporta is going to be a decent guy. So, look, the top rookies, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go one through four. We'll go four through one, and we'll, we'll re-rank them again. Uh, for If you missed, maybe you took the ear headphone out or, 
you know, you just wanted to get back in the thing. Or if you're on YouTube. So we have number four, we have Starling Thomas. Number two, number three, we have Broderick Martin. Number two, we have Brian Branch. And number one, we have Sam Laporta. Now, this is a part of the podcast that I usually give an opinion. Uh, it's like our closing thoughts. Tyler isn't here today on the podcast. I don't have a guest on the podcast. So it's just me rolling along. So we'll go into the next segment. Final thoughts. And this will be my final thoughts on this podcast. And then we'll go into next week with training camp and the Giants coming in for their first preseason game. I think it's the Giants or the Colts. I'm not sure. I gotta re- I gotta look at it again. I I, I mixed up the weeks and it was brutal. So follow me in the next segment as I do my final thoughts. I think I have a really good final thought that we can all agree with here and um you're going to love it. And I think we're going to do a pretty good job of displaying it. So follow me in the next segment. And if you're on YouTube, you could just watch, keep watching. Welcome back to the Joy Lions News podcast. I am your host, Joe Chap. We are on the final thoughts, the closing argument of the podcast. And if you're on YouTube, you're watching this for the first time. This is where I just go into kind of like something that I'm thinking usually me or Tyler or one of my guests that's on. And it's our closing thoughts. And we could have different closing thoughts, whatever. So I was reading, uh, it's from NFL.com. Taylor Decker says he's been in Detroit since they were the butt of all jokes. So their 2023 expectations mean nothing until they prove it. I'm tentative to put expectations or long-term goals out there because I've said it a million times. I was here when we were the butt of all jokes. So Taylor Decker has been here at the beginning when everything was happening. When Bob Quinn was his general manager, when Matt Patricia was the fat Matt Patricia was his coach. He says, ultimately, the expectations, while they are fun and a cool thing to get that attention, they mean nothing until we prove it. Now, a lot of people have been echoing the same point. Dan Campbell echoed the same point. Jared Goff echoed the same point. Aiden Hutchinson echoed the same point. But Taylor Decker has echoed it in a different proportion because Taylor Decker has been through it all with the Detroit Lions. He has seen Bob Quinn come in here and destroy the team. He has seen Fat Matt, Pat, Patricia come in here and absolutely gut the team. And Patricia was the low point of this Detroit Lions franchise. He was at the lowest point. Uh, he was probably the lowest point of this franchise, him and Bob Quinn. When a guy like Taylor Decker says something through, like this, just be aware what he's saying to NFL.com. I'm sure every player that is on that team is hearing the same thing from, from Taylor Decker. You know, I'm sure Tracy Walker can say the same thing. You know, these guys that have been on the Detroit Lions for a long time, they have seen some shit that you just don't even understand. Some of these rookies will never understand. Some of these players that are coming in Detroit Lions right now, they will never understand. Even Brad Holmes was talking today on 97 won the ticket. And he said when he came in here, he had to practically beg people to come to the Detroit Lions. And the way you change that is by building a culture and building a team that is willing to play at a high level. Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes have put together a really good team. 
they have put together a culture that you can see from the outside and say, I want to be a part of that. You know, Cameron Sutton, David Montgomery, you know, those guys came from, well, not David Montgomery, but Cameron Sutton came from a winning organization. So did Emmanuel Mosley. So, so did Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I mean, for God's sakes, his team was in the Super Bowl last year. It can't be understated how far the Detroit Lions have come, but how far they have to go. You know, a lot of people talk about the Detroit Lions, and they talk about where, where they are in their progression. What are the Detroit Lions? Well, the Detroit Lions are a team that can compete. Well, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. It just, it truly doesn't. So, a lot of people are going to look at this and they're going to say, hmm. They're going to read on NFL.com and they're going to be like, what is he talking about? And obviously, if you're an NFL fan, you're going to know. And if you follow this team throughout, you're going to know. And like I said in the beginning of the podcast, so if you're watching this clip on YouTube, which I'm going to put it up as probably on Saturday or, or Sunday, you're going to watch this clip and you're going to go, wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, like, wow. Like, like I said, I started Detroit Lions News in 2013. There were years that, you know, you thought you'd have a good team. And there were years that you knew that the team was total shit. So don't put the effort in. You know, and then I remember during the Matt Patricia years, I got so pissed off, so turned off from watching Detroit Lions football that I didn't even do my page for a whole year. For a whole year, I didn't do my page. I was so pissed at the organization. I was so pissed at the team. I was so pissed at the, the people that they hired that were absolute buffoons. Now with Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes, you got an absolute opposite of the equation. When people look at Dan Campbell, they see part of them in them. You see part of you in Dan Campbell. A guy who just doesn't give a fine fuck what anybody thinks. And, you know, people are going to love it. People are going to love it. And Brad Holmes, a smart man, a guy who can build a roster, who can find talent. This is something the Detroit Lions have always needed. A general manager who could put together the right team. And I know a lot of people aren't aware. Like, there might be new Lions fans that are listening to the podcast right now, and they're going, what is he talking about? Go back and watch the Matt Patricia years. That's how bad it was. And uh, a lot of people talk about the Matt Millen years, but honestly, I think the Patricia years were worse because you had a legitimate quarterback and you wasted those years. And then you get a trade, you get a cast off in Jared Goff, and you make something of it. Look, Detroit Lions are not a perfect team. I'm not even saying they're a Super Bowl team. I'm saying that they have built a culture to where you can think and you can believe that this team is going to be a team to be reckoned with in 2023 and beyond. And all you have to do is look at the front office. All you have to do is look at the coach and what he's all about, accountability, being on task. You look at that and you tell me the difference between the Detroit Lions of old 
and the Detroit Lions are new. This is the brand new Lions. So people really need to take a look and look at it. I'm your host, Joe Chap. I hope you enjoyed the podcast of season two of the Detroit Lions and his podcast. We were hoping to do podcasts during the summer, but just things didn't happen like they should have. There was a lot of things I was dealing with, so I couldn't bring you podcasts throughout the summer, and I would have loved to, but there was just things that happened that I had to get off, uh, I, I had to take care of. So thank you for listening. We are going to have podcasts before every game. Um, they're probably the Thursday or Friday before the games, maybe the Wednesdays. We're going to have post-game podcasts that will be posted live to YouTube and our Spotify and, and uh, Apple and it's just going to be a fun year. We're going to have daily pod, daily content on the Between the Whistles Detroit YouTube page. So if you're not subscribed, you really need to subscribe to the Between the Whistles Detroit YouTube page. And I will put that link in the podcast descriptions so you can click on it and subscribe from there. I'm Joe Chap, and I will see you on the next episode of the Detroit Lions News podcast next week. So I will see you then.